find yourself in a world that no longer makes sense. When you realize that a man like Epstein didn't Epstein himself. When the police are defunded, but Pakistan gets a gender studies grant. You may be in the Collapse Experiment. Hello and welcome to the Collapse Experiment podcast. This is part uh, five of the great narrative for a better future by Klaus Schwab. You know, the uh, <clears throat> the bald guy who's going to force you to eat bugs, give up your privacy, and uh, oh yeah, uh, you, you won't own anything, but, but you'll be happy. You'll definitely be happy. You'll be a lot happier. It's like those minimalist guys, but uh, isn't it weird? Like anytime somebody tries to uh, capitalize on minimalism, they always have like products that they put out there for people to buy yes anyways we are at page 45 of the great narrative chugging along here just chugging along trying not to fall asleep while reading Klaus's that's not a magnum opus uh extended essay I don't know so let's get started here what does this world of lower growth and higher debt portend among the plethora of effects, four stand out. One, the end of convergence. Two, the resurgence of inflation. Three, the possible reemergence of productivity. Four, the strong emergence of crypto. Hmm, crypto, you say? The first two are of great concern. The third is a reason for hope. Three, the possible reemergence of productivity. You want people to be productive. Wow. Good for you. Uh, the fourth illustrates the major unknowns and uncertainties we must contend with. Whoa. Okay. So they're not liking the crypto thing, huh? Hmm. One. The end of convergence between rich and poor countries might be provisional or become a systematic feature of the post-pandemic economic landscape. Nah. Currently, what looks certain is that the world economic recovery from the pandemic will be uneven. Prospects for most emerging and developing countries look far worse than those of the most developed ones. A divergence that will result in a two-speed global economy, international institutions like the International Monetary Fund, IMF, estimate... Estimate that output in the rich world should return to its pre-temp pandemic levels by 2022. <laughs> oh, you did not see Putin coming, did ya? And then rise slightly above it. Oh no! <laughs> did you did y'all talk to Biden about this? Cause he he definitely threw a wrench in any effort to make. The, the United States more more productive. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Let's see here. And then rise slightly above it. While it will remain well below trend in the rest of the world <clears throat> until at least 2025. Uh, I'm not even going to mention the whole nuke thing right now, but uh, <laughs> when they wrote this, they had no idea. Oh, man. Two key reasons explain this disconnect. One, 
the vaccination divides. Uh, two, the differences in fiscal and monetary support. Yeah, the vaccination divides. 10% increase in overall death after the implementation of the vaccine. So the divide that I'm seeing is the people who took the vaccine and the people who did not take the vaccine. Because um, some are fairer better than others. And I think that's going to show proven in countries as well. Countries that did not take the vaccine or at least rejected it soon after starting it. Um, I have a feeling those countries are going to do a hell of a lot better than the ones who went all in. Regarding the first, in October 2021, uh, almost 60% of people in the rich world were fully vaccinated against COVID-19, compared with only 36% in emerging economies and barely 5% in the poorest countries. This means that life can start returning to normal only in the rich world. <laughs> um, I hate to break it to you, Klaus, but um, the, the countries with the 5% vaccination... Uh, they never stopped being normal. They continued living on with their lives and things did not change. There were no lockdowns. Regarding the second most emerging markets and almost the totality of developing countries had little or no fiscal space to react to the negative shock inflicted by the pandemic. When some decided to launch expansionary fiscal policies, Nonetheless, capital overflows ensued, hammering their exchange rare and fueling inflation. Exchange rate and fueling inflation, which really didn't start kicking in until, what, six months ago? Worse, that had, worse they had difficulties in maintaining their existing levels of debt because their creditors refused to roll over their loans in fear of a worsening crisis. In the early months of the pandemic, more than 90 countries petitioned the IMF for assistance. <clears throat> Moving forward, and in addition, when the policy tighten takes place in the U.S., it will most likely cause large capital outflows from emerging markets and subsequent increase in capital costs. Knock-on effects are almost inevitable. Troubles in the developing world will affect rich countries, the greater the divergence instead of convergence, the greater the risk of financial instability caused by contagion effects and surges in uncontrolled migration and geopolitical turmoil. Um, yeah, so some of the, let's see here, policy tightening. Could that be the, the 87,000 new IRS agents with guns? Um, policy tightening, they're definitely going to start enforcing uh, tax laws, tax uh, policies. Uh, there's going to be a lot more, um, man, let's see here. You hire 87,000 new IRS agents, and they've got to justify their job. So they're going to look and try to find anything, <clears throat> any money to bring in, because if they're not bringing in more money for the federal government than what they're getting paid, they're probably going to be on the chopping block. Two, most analysts and policymakers did not anticipate the resurgence of inflation in the third quarter of 2021 because they're idiots. 
The global economy rebounded from the last year's recession in a very strong manner, the strongest in 80 years. It wasn't a rebound. It was they opened the economy back up. That's not a rebound. That's uh, you force everybody to be closed at gunpoint. And then one day you're like, hey, you can run your business again. Oh, by the way, pay your taxes. But that came with an equally fast rebound in global inflation. Initially, a majority of policymakers and analysts in the markets at large thought that this resurgence would prove transient a consequence of the robust demand triggered by the recovery and resulting inability of supply chains to rapidly adjust. This is the shittiest explanation for what happened after reopening everything. You had an overabundance of stuff coming back in from China, backed up at the ports, right? Now, you can't move all that. You had a supply chain before, but now you've basically got a backed up toilet, right? Except there is no plunger that's going to get that stuff from the port to the stores in a short period of time. It's going to take a long time, and therefore you're going to have shortages of certain things in different places, which means the availability or the, the lack of availability for these things is going to raise the prices. It's, it's uh, supply and demand. It's not inflation. So there, I thought this guy was an economist. He doesn't understand what inflation is. It's the printing of money. The government's created the inflation. The supply and demand got backed up because of shitty, poor, poorly thought out government policies on how to to uh, run a pandemic, it, which doesn't even need to, You just leave things open. The pandemic will take care of itself. Work on a fucking vaccine. Do it. And a vaccine is like the worst thing that you could possibly try to roll out during a pandemic. You don't try to give the flu shot during flu season because you're going to lower people's immunity. They're going to catch the flu. And lo and behold, people are going to become more sick after getting the flu vaccine than if they got the flu vaccine before flu season. Morons. Fucking morons. Monetary policy is ill-suited to respond to supply, uh, supply shock generated by inflation. It's not generated by inflation. Stop using inflation in the wrong way so central central banks decided to wait and see the spike in inflation then proved to be both greater and longer lived than initially expected man is this guy pissing me off if uh if evidence of wage pressure materializes in high-income countries it may well do so by the time this book is published this could generate a wage price spiral, the nightmare of central bankers. At the time of finalizing this manuscript in mid-December 2021, inflationary pressures are building up around the world. As a result, several systemically important, uh, yeah, systemically important countries like the United States and many emerging countries uh, don't have much space, if any, to keep monetary policy loose and interest rates at very low levels. Yes, they keep going up. On <clears throat> December 15th, 2021, Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, said as much as 
as much when he announced that the feds would take a much more aggressive approach to taming resurgent inflation. If the pandemic lasts longer, creating further supply disruptions that in turn fuel inflationary pressures, the risk of stagflation, low growth combined with significant inflation, would become a real concern, endangering the recovery. Hmm. Okay. The last 15 years have been categorized characterized by the so-called productivity paradox. Despite the apparent progress in technology, productivity levels remain flat or, in some cases, even regressed in advanced economies. But a productivity boom is coming, asserts Stanford University professor Eric Bergenforschen. Bergenforschen. It's like Scandinavian or something. If it does happen, the re-emergence of productivity would be excellent news for economic growth. As the economist Paul Krugman once famously said, productivity isn't everything, but in the long run, it is almost everything. The country's ability to improve its standard of living over time depends almost entirely on its ability to raise its output per worker. Is this why they're pushing for World War III? Because what happened during World War II? Everybody went to work. If you weren't fighting overseas, you were working. And our economy boomed. But that's not that's not what we're looking at. We're not looking at a repeat of World War II if that's what they think is going to happen. It's a totally different situation, a totally different war. <clears throat> and um, in the end, I think overall we're just screwed. Thanks to the pandemic, it seems that productivity has at least been ignited. In the U.S., Europe, Japan, data points to an increase in total future productivity growth. The most common way to measure productivity, which consists essentially in doing more with less, or more than 2% of more than 2%, the most likely explanation consists in the ready acceptance of tech and the increasing adoption of digital and automation technologies during the pandemic, the labor shortages that took place in the second half of 2021 should not only sustain productivity growth, but could even spur in, spur it further by forcing companies to innovate more. <clears throat> Since levels of economic growth equate to changes in productivity, the changes in the labor force, a possible upsurge in productivity, would be excellent news for economic growth even more so at a time when the labor force is declining in much of the world. The strong and rapid emergence of cryptocurrencies and more broadly, fintech entangles economies with technology, innovation in such a complex way that it makes it hard to identify how the casualties run and what some of the potential applications and policy implications might be. Analysts and media reports give the impression that national currencies already compete with cryptocurrencies since individuals and institutions can hold digital wallets with whatever crypto assets they choose as par par Parang Kahan states. Parang Kahan. Uh, we are about to enter an age of global monetary competition where national currencies must earn their place in someone's wallet portfolio every hour of every day, even among citizens of their own countries. 
the digital version of the Japanese yen will be plunged into head-to-head -head global competition with the Swiss franc, the Brazilian real, and any other assets with an open capital account, including Bitcoin. Everyone becomes a foreign exchange trader all the time, and only the best national currencies or cryptocurrencies are ever held by anyone. Yeah, they are definitely definitely afraid of other currencies coming up. I'm so surprised that they haven't really gone after gold and silver again like they did back in the 1930s. It might be that government-supported cryptocurrencies compete with each other, as hinted at by Kahan. If they do so, they'd blur the line with fiat currency and could change the financial system in terms of financial stability and traditional monetary policy in a way that nobody has yet predicted. Can yet predict. I totally read that wrong. Can yet predict. So yeah, they're at least they're acknowledging fiat currency is bullshit and that there's better alternatives out there. Not that I understand the whole digital currency thing, but it is a thing. Some people understand it. I do not. But um, yeah, they're definitely saying uh, there's issues with fiat. Currently, both monetary authorities and private institutions all issue cryptocurrencies as viable mainstream payment vehicles, central banks and government experiment with GovCoins or central bank digital currencies, CBDC, I've heard of these, while private sponsors develop stablecoins, cryptocurrencies uh, whose value is pegged to the value of an underlying asset. Is it? Is it though? I don't think Bitcoin's really tied to anything except the number of Bitcoins that exist. The trajectory and endgame for GovCoins and stablecoins remain unknown, but their respective fates may ultimately be decided by adoption and, above all, regulation. The power of the state. That's why people like crypto. It's not regulated by the state. The state is out of it. The state doesn't print any more crypto. That's um, that's why Bitcoin is, is so popular right now. Granted, it has been going down. Ooh, it's been going down. Yeah, well, six months from now, you're going to be like, dude, you're so right. It's going so far up. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely the power of the state. Maybe people don't want their money back by the power of the state anymore. It's not like the state is very trustworthy. The only certainty... Their economic and societal and possibly geopolitical impacts will be considerable. Uh, will physical cash be, still be accepted? Will cryptocurrencies pervade our, pervade our privacy? You don't want privacy, you douchebag. Why are you even questioning that? Will it pervade our privacy? Um, that's like the last thing that you stated in your last book. Uh, privacy needs to go bye-bye. <laughs> so... <laughs> this is all of a sudden it's a concern what have you been doing with your money Klaus? how will they redefine the role of technology in our daily lives what will their impact be on the effectiveness of monetary policy could they foster greater financial inclusion could cryptocurrencies advance environmental objectives and policies that support them could they be used to accelerate the demise of the U.S. dollar? Will they become an instrument of geopolitical dominance? 
These are just some of the questions for which we do not yet have any clear response. The intermingling of economic, environmental, geopolitical, societal, and technological issues is constantly expanding the universe of what we neither know nor understand. In addition, the velocity of this ever-evolving change further constraints our comprehension, and thus the capacity of the policy responds to meet uh, the challenges they raise, disruption is coming, it will be both good and bad and major. So yeah, well, let's do this uh, 2.3 environment. And this will be the last section for this episode. It's literally just one paragraph. And current apparent inability to end the critical environmental and climate crisis, they are one and the same as nature and climate are intrinsically linked, or to at least keep it under control, is the greatest collective action problem we've ever been confronted with. Humanity has never faced an endeavor more complex, ambitious, and far-reaching than arresting the collapse of our ecosystem and stabilizing the climate. Then stop flying your private jets, you bald dickhead. That is the last thing I have to say to Klaus. Um, as for climate change, I did see a nice meme. And th this is the thing about memes. Um, memes are really just a picture, right? And a picture has picture is a thousand words, uh, as the old saying goes. And this meme stated, uh, it showed two scientists. And it said the same, same scientists that haven't gotten anything right in the last two years is trying to tell you what the weather is going to be like in a hundred years. Um, which is totally true. Um, I Looking back, so I was born in 79. And during the 70s, people were writing books and scientists were estimating that by the year 2000, the, the whole planet was going to be a desert. Uh, during the 80s, there was the, the whole push for the greenhouse effect. Um, I remember being in school and learning about that. And they're really pushing for, for kids to learn how to reverse this this thing that's supposed to be happening that's going to destroy the planet in our lifetime in our life we were told in our lifetime okay um then it was what the 80s 90s people were talking about oh there's going to be a second ice age we even had that movie the day after tomorrow where all of a sudden the the whole top of the planet is covered in uh freaking glaciers uh, just like overnight. So there's this running idea of like what people think the future is going to look like due to climate change. And keep in mind, the term climate change came out of the Bush administration. Global warming no longer fit. All of a sudden, they're pushing this whole new, new term of climate change. You couldn't say global warming anymore. So... <laughs> In, in, in 40 years of being on this planet, I've heard three different stories about what the future is going to hold because of the greenhouse effect, uh, global warming, climate change, uh, the, the, the coming ice age. I, I've heard all these different stories. None of them are accurate. And they keep saying, well, storms are intensifying. We're now, you know, oh, this is proof of climate change. That is proof of climate change. There's... Th 
No, not really. Um, and as for the the highest temperatures recorded on record, this is due to them moving the official thermometers that they use to record heat levels <clears throat> at airports. Why they're using airports, I don't know. I'm sure at some point in time there was a a um, newspaper that had a thermometer outside and the weather person would just go out look at whatever the the temperature was record that and that was your official temperature high of today not anymore that that's not the case they they've freaking officially moved it to airports which are large tarmacs of black asphalt um collecting collecting energy from the sun and irradiating heat up into the the air it's um it's an insane uh, way of trying to figure out what the overall temperature for that area is. Why the airport is the center of the universe, I don't know. Uh, but that's what they chose. And ever since then, every year, hottest, hottest summer on record. The hottest summer on record. This is the hottest summer on record. And um, it, it's just, it's not getting any better. If if they're not getting the results that they want, they just change how they get the results until they match what their expectations are. <sighs> so that's about it for me. This is the Collapse Experiment Podcast. And remember, you are the carbon they want to reduce. Thank you for listening to the Collapse Experiment Podcast. For more content, check out thecollapseexperiment.com where you can find the latest news articles. If you'd like to help out this podcast, check out books by Matthew Gilman on Amazon. Or you should just buy gold and silver. Just just buy gold and silver. It's, it's a better investment and uh, you might actually have something to trade later on when the world <laughs> falls apart. <laughs>